Hello again and welcome. Last episode, I spoke with instructional designers Paloma, Amy, and Lori about the effects of emotion on cognition and learning. Moving on, this episode, I will be continuing my conversation with them on cognitive science and learning and development, discussing the cognitive load theory. All right, great. So, Paloma, I wanted to uh, switch over to you for a second. I wanted to ask uh, for a little bit of your insight. Uh, can you explain cognitive load theory and what that is and how it's applied within the learning and development world? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, I, a lot of these theories have backgrounds in other theories and models, and cognitive load theory specifically builds upon a model from the 60s developed by Richard Atkinson and Richard uh, Schifrin, I hope I'm saying his name right, uh, that was developed in 1968. It's the information processing model. So um, I think to understand cognitive load theory, you really have to understand how our brain is processing information in this model developed in the late 60s. So the model talks about how it's actually a, a diagram of how information comes into um, different buckets of our memory. So we have three uh, types of memory. Our first is our sensory memory. That's where the information passes through first. Then it passes to our working memory, um, where you know information is either rehearsed or it's uh, rehearsed through um, practice or it's rehearsed through um, you know just different experiences that are reinforcing it or it's forgotten. And if it is rehearsed enough, then it gets passed into our long-term memory. So we have these three buckets of memory, sensory memory, working memory, long-term memory. And the cognitive load theory builds off of each of these um, buckets within the information processing model. It speaks to the amount of information that our working memory can hold at one time. What you brought up about the working memory part, Loma? Yeah. You know, it's like that's that's what we want them to learn and your brain can really only hold like three to seven things so if we have all those other distractions going on so when we're thinking about instructional design that's one of the things we have to think this is the working memory this is what, what we're trying to get across to our learner but what else is getting in our way so before it can move from the new new material our working memory and go into our long-term memory where we get that aha moment and they connect it back to something and it begins and you actually are you know getting that connection and it's moving itself into long-term memory we have to make sure that we're reducing the extraneous and reducing all those outside things that we can control you know obviously there's things that are going on and you know especially think about now e-learning you know, somebody's got a phone going off, the doorbell's going, the dog's barking, you know, they're trying to focus on what's going on in front of them. We can't control all that other stuff necessarily, but in within the learning module or within the learning itself, we want to make sure that we're only giving them that three, you know, three to seven things that they can hold on to and trying to clear the table so they have, they, they can take the time to make that connection. So um, once we're uh, receiving all the information, maybe we are, let's say you're playing volleyball, right? And there's a lot going on. There's um, the other team playing on the other court. You're, you're hearing all of that noise. Um, there's people cheering. So there's all of these sensory experiences, all the sensory information that your body, your memory is taking in, but you're very zeroed in and focused on what you're about to do, which is really to hit that volleyball and um, to do a specific task. Okay, so just to clarify a little bit, um, just to kind of narrow it down, essentially cognitive load theory is uh, discussing the, uh, basically the load capacity of your working memory, which is the amount of information you're taking in at a given time, the memory retention of what's happening right now in front of you. 
how much you can process at that time, yes? Because you hit a level of what's called cognitive dissonance. So you have to have some discomfort, obviously, in order for you to be able to learn, but you can't have the distractions and you can't go into the overload either. So there's the you have to reach that perfect balance of where it's a new material, it's not boring for them, so they have an engagement level, but then they're not going into the overload theory, the overload portion of it. And I think when you're designing, you know, this just goes back to why it's important to understand the level of expertise of the learners. Uh, so you understand the the gap between what your learning objective is and that their level of expertise and to prevent any, you know, negative effects of being cognitively overloaded. You you can really focus your design on making sure that your learning outcome is you know, or your learning goal is a realistic goal for the level of expertise that the learners are coming into um, the training course with. Because when there's a really big gap between the goal of what you want them to know and the goal and, and what they actually know, it's a lot harder for that their memory to absorb all of that new content and, and get to a level of expertise or to that that really complex goal that you had set for them. Well, Thank you all for sharing your insights on the cognitive load theory. In our next episode, we'll be discussing interweaving and how to build on a learner's experiences. Until next time.